Good news for all horses. Dobby Royd's Magic Horse Rejuvenators are down threepence this week. Remember, Dobby Royd's melt in your mouth, not in your hoof. What are you feeding your horse? Chocolates? No, Dobby Royd's, the Magic Horse Rejuvenator with the less fattening center. Hot Dobby Royd's. Hot Dobby Royd's. Hot Dobby Royd's. <laughs> It's a good drop of horse rejuvenator, that. That looks good. That tastes good. And by golly, that... <laughs> yes, the makers of Dobbin's medical cummerbunds announce a new exciting addition to their range. It's Round the Horn. The story so far. Wizened, stooped old crone, Mad Meg played by Kenneth Williams without any artificial aids, <laughs> stumbled through the dense, gloomy forest, played by dense, gloomy Bill Pertwee, with ivy up his trunk, <laughs> pausing to collect a bundle of faggots, played by the Fraser Hayes Four and Betty Marsden, <laughs> she suddenly spied a tiny frog, played by tiny but perfect Hugh Paddock. <laughs> help, help, quoth the frog, I've got my flipper caught in a bramble. The old lady was amazed to hear the frog speak thus, Quickly she freed it, and the frog was overjoyed. Take me back to your cottage, he said. Let me sleep at the foot of your bed, and when you wake up in the morning, you'll have such a surprise. And sure enough, when Mad Meg awoke next morning, the frog had turned into a handsome prince. Why, she exclaimed, you're not a frog at all, to which the prince replied... I was wondering when you'd tumble. My name's Kenneth Horn. <laughs> That was, of course, Douglas Smith, one of the brothers Grimm. <laughs> they don't come any more grim than Douglas Smith, I can tell you. Now for the answers to last week's questions. First, the what sound was it question. Well, the sounds were the mating call of a female bread pudding, a trouser manufacturer flying south for the winter, and, of course, Peregrine Worsthorn taking his socks off. <laughs> and the only one who got that was a Mr. Peregrine Worsthorn. Secondly... Secondly, we had the where do you find it question, and the answer came in six parts as follows. Under the bonnet of your car, in an individual fruit pie, under the double eagle, up the junction, hanging in the wardrobe, and behind a bush on Wimbledon Common. <laughs> At least I found one there, and uh, if it's not claimed in three days, I shall present it to the nation. All right, Smith, on with the motley. Hello again, fans. Oh. This is... <laughs> This is Douglas Smoochie Smith, the announcer whose skin you love to touch, whose warm, cultured voice sends little frissons down your spines, whose eyes are like great limpid pools uh, Smith, of... I can't bear you in these narcissistic moods. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, but if you can't say something nice about Smith, someone... the announcement. All right, and now, Kenneth Horne, Master Spy. I was in the bathroom of my luxury penthouse suite overlooking Park Lane when the phone rang. I stepped out of the sink and answered it. <laughs> Hello, Cobber, this is Digger Horn. It's fair dinkum to hear your old billabong again. Come in, flying doctor. Chips rapidly with everything and out. Why do you say that, Horn? In the hope we get an Australian repeat. <laughs> I see. Well, something rather disturbing has just landed on my in-tray. Get over here immediately. Right away, sir. Well, here I am. Marvellous what you can do on radio. It certainly licks the television. What does? My cat. <laughs> I think 
like something they put in the polish, actually. But uh, what did you want to see me about? Well, that thing I was afraid of has come up again rather suddenly. What do you think I ought to do? <laughs> well, I should uh, put a bread poultice on it. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, try egg and chips. Yes. Righto, Horn. Thanks for the advice. Um, there is one other thing. Yes, sir? Well, I've been given something rather awkward to handle. I don't like this, but I'm going to have to drop it right in your lap. Well, go, go ahead, sir. It's all right. It doesn't stain. Ah, hmm. Hmm. Raspberry blancmange, isn't it? Uh, no, it's custard pie. Of the sort normally shown at comedians. I don't understand, sir. Well, a pie of this exact description was used this morning in a vicious and unprovoked attack upon that much-loved popular funster Ken Dodd. While he was wiping the custard off his face, the assailant loaded his gag files onto six-pan technicans and made good his escape. Have you sent the fragments of pie over to the lab for tests? Uh, yes. Ballistics say that they're from a 3.7x army custard pie. Oh. Any fingerprints? Yes. We've arrested the owner of the fingerprints, Milo Nostradamus, an Armenian pastry cook of no fixed abode. He admitted, under pressure, that he had, in fact, manufactured this pie for a foreign agent. Blue grade? We don't know. <laughs> That's for you to find out. All we do know is that much-loved and popular funster Ken Dodd's gags are highly dangerous. But who in his right mind uh, would want much-loved and popular funster Ken Dodd's jokes? A comedian, perhaps. Oh. Although it's unlikely it's our only lead. <laughs> And with that, the interview was over. He leaned back, spread his hands on the blotter, and ate it with every evidence of enjoyment. <laughs> I hurried to a theatrical club I knew, the Chuttlewit in Great Newport Street. The bar was packed with celebrities. At one table sat Bernard Braden, chatting satirically as he drank soup out of a tin. <laughs> Close by was Alan Freeman, busily washing David Jacob's shirt in a finger bowl. <laughs> On the crowded dance floor, I spied Richard and Liz dancing cheek to cheek, while nearby Dudley Moore and Ursula Andress danced cheek to knee. <laughs> I elbowed my way to the bar. The barmaid came over. Yes, sir. Can I get you anything? I took her in my arms and kissed her passionately. And to follow? Well, I'll, uh, I'll have my usual, a glass of Parrish's chemical food. Uh, stirred but not shaken. Coming up, sir. I drank it in one gulp. I was shaken, but not stirred. <laughs> then I beckoned to her to follow me into the back room. What do you want? Some information about Ken Dodd. I've never heard of him. Well, perhaps this will jog your memory. From my wallet, I produced a handful of the green stuff and offered it to her. Oh, a bit of lettuce. <laughs> well, that's nice. Got a tomato to go with it? Well, if you tell me what I want to know, can you tell me something about Ken Dodd's movements? Yes. He sort of prances about, waving his arms. <laughs> then he flaps his hair up and twists it into a top knot. <laughs> yes, she was holding something back. I pressed a slice of cucumber into her hand and she started to talk and talk fast. <laughs> and that's all I know. <laughs> That's all I needed to know. I grabbed her roughly, ran my tapering fingers through her long, tawny hair, and then took her gently in my bronze, sinewy, three-litre Bentley down to Brighton for the weekend. <laughs> we booked into the hotel and registered. Smith. Uh, yes, sir? No, not you. Oh, no, no, sorry. no. That was, the, that was the name we registered under. Oh, but while you're here, draw uh, a bail over the next two days, will you? Certainly, sir. Excitingly fragrant, Douglas oh. Smith. He of the schoolgirl complexion all over. Draws a veil over those two fateful days. I'd no sooner reached home and unpacked when the phone rang again. 
Hello, Horn here. Ah, Horn, I think we've got a clue. One of Ken Dodd's jokes was done by the compere of the new Sunday night at the Pandemillium show. Jimmy Armfluff? He. It's up to you to find out where he got that purloin joke from. How? Well, you'll have to infiltrate into the show. You could pass yourself off as one of the dancers. Yeah, but I'm awkward, clumsy, I can't dance a step. Then the resemblance is complete. (laughs) But... Now, look, just to be on the safe side, you'd better take a couple of lessons. Get down to the Ada Poston Academy of the Dance, MI5 branch. Where actually is it? Now, go to the end of the following musical passage and turn right. Hello, anybody there? Oh, hello, I'm Julian. This is my friend Sandy. Oh! It's Mr. Horn. Oh, our bone at a Valdiorique again. <laughs> oh, what brings you trolling into this shrine of terpsichore? <laughs> well, headquarters... <laughs> headquarters say I've got a dance. Oh, you carry on, ducky. We'll just sit and watch. <laughs> no, look, I want a rush course in modern dancing. Rush? We can't go rushing at it like a mad thing. Yeah. Takes years of our work and dedication, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, look at Sands. Have a look. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was a Beams babe till he was 30, won't you say? Beams babe till I was 30. 30. My hair, right down. I have lovely hair, right down. Sit oh, on it. Sit on it, yes. Mm. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> lovely hair. Never got me anywhere. <laughs> I've given my life to the dance. Life. I've given my life. You know that's true. It's an art form, isn't it? It's an art. It's yeah. one of the highest cultural manifestations of man or woman. You can't. <laughs> you can't. You can't manifest yourself in five minutes. You can't. I mean it. Yes. <laughs> it's not. It's not just a matter of step, ball, change, dainty wrist, back your eyelids and hope for the best. Not. Take your actual greats. I'm taking your greats. Uh, Dame Margot, Rudolph Nureyev. Well, I'm an old Margin Rude. They didn't just do it overnight. Margin Rude? No. No. Yes. Well, no. take Lionel Blair. You take him. <laughs> No, I mean, it's not easy to be like Lionel Blair. <laughs> but if you're set on it, we'll start you off. Yeah, we'll start him off. I'll tell you what, we'll give you, we'll give you your rudiments. Yes, rudiments, you see. <laughs> oh, no, no, seriously. And after that, it's up to you. Right, roll up your trouser leg. Roll up your trouser Yeah, look, I, I, don't, uh, I don't want to become a mason. <laughs> no, darling. <laughs> we want to have a barger at your calves. You see, go on, get him out. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, he's got dancers' calves. Yeah, yeah. I'll say that for him. Yeah. Scotches may be a bit naff, but his plates are boner. Boner. <laughs> well, Miss Hall, come on. Let's start off with a simple step like this. Come on. Do you think you can manage that? Yes, I think so. Oh, good. Right, Jewel, get on the piano. Go I on, get on the piano. Uh, with a one and a two, and away we go. Take your wrist now, come on. Keep your head up. Smile, that's it. Buck and wing, come on, say that's it. Now, trenches. Watch your trenches. Now your splits. Splits, I said. Well, do as much as you can. Oh! 
Fantabulosa Jackie. Well, what do you think, Jules? What do you I think? think he's got it. Yes. George, he's got it. Oh, yes. Perhaps doing the splits was a bad idea, mm. since only his seam's gone. Well, <laughs> oh, come on, let's try again. The next day I auditioned at the Pandemonium Theatre as a boy dancer. Oh! Your sketch is over. Oh, sorry, I spoke. <laughs> I was hired immediately, and the following Sunday night I made my debut in the show. After the opening routine, in which I figured as an Easter bunny, I stood in the wings and watched the compere Jimmy Armfluff as he went through his routine to howls of hysterical apathy from the audience. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. He said, but if I walked that way, I wouldn't need talcum powder. Hey, fabulous. Oh, but seriously, it's celebrity time, and we've got some really fabulous celebrities out there in the audience. Why, isn't that Frankie Vaughan sitting down there? Let's have a look. Oh, oh hey, hey, let's have a look. Well, we are in luck tonight. It isn't. No. <laughs> That means, you, that means you won't have to hear us singing side by side yet again. Hey, here's a quick one I just threw in. I went into a French restaurant the other day. I said to the waiter, have you got frog's legs? He said, yes. I said, well, up off and, and, and give us a chip booty. Hey, hey, fabulous. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, I oh. recognised that joke immediately. Fundamentally, it was the same as that stolen from Ken Dodd, uh, that much-loved etc., etc., etc. I would have to take this up with arm fluff. After the show, I went straight to his dressing room and knocked on the door. Uh, call me back. Uh, hey, pull up a chip butty and sit down. Well, I'll come straight to the point, Mr. Armfluff. That joke you did, that was stolen from Ken Dodd. Oh, I didn't steal it. I bought it in good faith from our scriptwriters, Galton and Simpson. Not Ray Galton and Alan Simpson, oh. those two whimsical and much-loved laughsmiths of steptoe fame whose merry quips have echoed round the nation? <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, I'm anxious to avoid a libel action. <laughs> hey, you can talk to them if you like. They're, they're through there at the office. I went into the next room. Two figures sat crouched over a typewriter. As I entered, they turned. Ah, Mr. Hahn, we meet again. You, Ray Galton? Ah, no, Chu and Galton. And this... Lotus Blossom Simpson. <laughs> you see, not really lighters, merely flakes and implosters have disposed of Leal Galton and Slimson by simple device of persuading them to light TV series on the BBC Two. No one will ever hear of them again. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! Then it was you who stole Ken Dodd's gag files. Yes, I admit it. I'm going to become the most famous clip lighter in the world. You'll never get away with it. Somebody's bound to find out sooner or later. Who is going to tell them? I am. No, Mr. Hahn. Now you are here, I will never let you go. Why? Because I love you. <laughs> let you know. <laughs> Whilst his attention was distracted, my hand slid down my trouser leg and groped for something concealed in my sock. <laughs> it was my foot. Why are you taking your socks off? One false move and I shall wiggle my toes at you. And you know how you hate that. Ah! All right, Mr. Horn, you've won for the moment. But you haven't heard the last of Dr. Chu N. Ginsburg, M.A. Failed. Come, Lotus Blossom. And gathering the lovely creature into his arms, and with a last despairing cry of... Ah! 
He leapt into the filing cabinet, filed himself under M for missing and was never seen again. We in MI5 believe that Chu N. Ginsberg and Lotus Blossom are, at this moment, preparing a new series for Harry Corbett and Wilfred Bramble. It's going to be called Steptoe and Number One Son. <laughs> Here are the Fraser Hayes Ford to sing a track from their new LP, Twist and Shout with Ian McLeod. The Fraser Hayes Ford. I've got my ten fine toes to wiggle in the sand. Lots of idle fingers snap to my command. A lovely pair of heels that kick to beat the band. Fascinating and to these A nose that I can found And a mouth I gum have I It tells the whole darn world If you don't happen to like it Dearly up, thank you kindly Pass me by Pass me by Pass me by If you don't happen to like it Pass me by And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, Douglas Smith sings, If I ruled the world, every day would be... Oh, Smith, Smith. Oh, all right. And now, trends. And first show business, one of the trendiest people in London's West End is club owner and female impersonator Manny LaScroupe. Well, uh, Manny, it uh, really is quite extraordinary the way you manage to look like a woman, sound like a woman, and even act like a woman. Now, what is your secret? Well, you see, I am a woman. Thank you. <laughs> and now, we're, um, we're fortunate to have another trendy person with us tonight. Well-known show business astrologer, a man whose predictions have astounded everybody, Morris Woodrot. Salutations. Sorry I'm late, but something unforeseen took place. <laughs> I see. 
Well, now, in the past, you've made some absolutely amazing predictions. Uh, yes, it's uh, hardly an event of world importance occurs without my having made the predictions. Sometimes as long as six months afterwards. For instance, I stated categorically last year that 1966 would be an uneventful year for Benjamin Disraeli. And so far, nothing much has happened. <laughs> Ah, yes, but the so year... Far. Yes, not so far. But the year's not over yet, don't forget. Uh, no, but I'm sticking my neck out when I say that. I have to, otherwise I'd soak my shirt front. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, would you like to make some more predictions for the coming year? Uh, certainly, yes. Uh, I predict that in the next few months, man will find intelligent life on jukebox jury. <laughs> Also forecast that Kenneth Walton Home will not win the Miss World competition for the 14th year in succession. And I furthermore prophesy that Cassius Clay will not become Governor of South Carolina. <laughs> or, um, and here I'm sticking my neck out once more, Mississippi. <laughs> I don't want to dampen your ardour. Oh, that's all right, it'll soon dry out. <laughs> But look, you, ha you have been wrong in the past, noticeably before the general election when you said the Tories would get in. Uh, yes, I actually did prophesy a landslide. Yes, when you said it's more like a tidal wave. No. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but how do you explain this startlingly wrong prediction? Ah, but I wasn't wrong. You see, I said the Tories would get in, but I didn't say in what. <laughs> ah, thank you, Maurice Woodrow. Oh, please, don't thank me. It's all in the stars, you telestials. <laughs> <laughs> And we move on now to trends in music. It's time again to meet folk singer Rambling Sid Rumpo, one of the all-time greats. And I think you'll agree, nobody greats like a Rambling Sid. Hello, me dearie. Uh, chirrup, chirrup, for the fox be away with a goose and the fly be on the term. Yeah. <laughs> well, what can you expect if you leave it out all night? <laughs> what? What are you going to sing for us today? Well, I was a rummaging in my gander bag for a gladsome ditty to bend your ear out with. It's a song of the Royal Scottish Pretender. Oh, Bonnie Prince Charlie? No, no. It's for an old Scotch tramp called McWhirter. He <laughs> pretended to be Queen Frederica in order to get free orange juice. <laughs> you can't drink metal polish straight, you know. No, it does uh, tend to dull the palate, doesn't it? Yes, quite so. Anyway, we fell to chatting by the wayside, and over a rude meal of hedgehog pate, he sang me it. It tells a story of a simple Highland lass who one day espies a man in a kilt sitting up an oak tree. Hello. Hello, hello, quoth she to herself. That's Bonnie Prince Charlie. See, well, she could tell it wasn't Mary Queen of Scots. <laughs> yes, of course, a different, different tub. Yes, quote. <laughs> So anyway, she takes him in and aids him and gives him sustenance for three months. But luck a day, there's a very sorry end to this tale that will wring your withers. Oh, good. They haven't been wrong for years. <laughs> it turns out that he isn't Bolly Prince Charlie after all, but a cabinet maker from Uddersfield called Alf Postlesweight. Oh, how tragic. Yes, and to this very day, almost six months later, the Highlanders still sing the Postlesweight Lament, which goes after this fashion. Ye maki do nabror mi lamak a scorpit beastie through the rock. 
for there's a tatty bogle in me trusser. Over the sea, the sea. Over the sea, the sea to sky. Pull away, pull away, me sparren. Till the seas, the seas run dry. Oh, oh, oh. oh I it makes you catch your breath, doesn't yeah, it? I yeah. think I tatted me bogle there. Or caught your breath, perhaps. Now, once again, as our gorge rises slowly in the east, we present the Seamus Android Show, or, as it's known in millions of homes, Never on Sunday. And tonight, Seamus' guest star, rancid counterstroke, the celebrated navvy and lay brain surgeon, battling sit mouse trousers, the frozen faggot millionaire, pop singer whimpering Lord Grope and the underthings... <laughs> Her Royal Highness, Lil Mossop, belly dancer, and Ma Arani of Muswell Hill. <laughs> and here is your host, Seamus Hattroy. Well, hello. Well, hello. Now, now, before we start, I heard an amusing little story that I thought might amuse you, and I'd like to tell it to you tonight. I'd like to, but I've forgotten it. <laughs> well, now, we've had our bit of fun, and now... On with the rest of the show. My first guest is romantic lady novelist, health food expert and lecturer, the lovely and overdressed Barbara Cartload. <laughs> well, now, Barbara, it's nice to have you here personally in person, yourself personally. <sighs> Thank you, Seamus. And as my family are watching, it's ja, I just like to say, hello, mummy. <laughs> hello, Boogie. Hello, Poppet. Hello, Granny. <laughs> She's upstairs having her bath, you know. <laughs> All right, now, Miss Catlode, I believe that you're England's greatest novelist. Yes, I believe that too. <laughs> yes, and I understand that you've actually written yourself in person, personally, 200 books. <laughs> well, actually, darling, I've written one book 200 times. <laughs> and they all have the one theme, romantic love. No sex. I don't believe in it. There's too much of it going on nowadays. In my books, the hero gets the heroine in the last page, but all he does is to kiss her hand. After the book's finished, what they do is their own affair. Well, talking of Western Supermare... <laughs> ...leads me to our next guest. It's shy, bespectacled ex-Smithfield Potter, now film star Michael Bean. Hello again, shy, bespectacled ex-Smithfield Porter, and welcome to the show. Now, you and Miss Cartload, I believe, have a lot in common. She's a novelist, and I believe you once read a book. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I ain't got much time for reading. I mean, we're all living under the shadow of the bomb, aren't we? <laughs> what chance have you got? You may as well give up. That's why I tell all the birds I lumber back to my flat. <laughs> 
for instance, last night I picked up this bird. Uh, yes, well, uh, I, 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 believe, I believe Barbara wanted to make a point, didn't you, Barbara? No, no, no. I was just trying to hog the camera. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 Michael, th this film you've come uh, along here to plug, uh, I believe that you're getting a record fee for it. Oh, who cares about money? <laughs> money don't mean nothing to me. They offered me £40,000. I said, what good is money to me when you're living under the shadow of the bomb? I said, keep your £40,000. I want 60000 <laughs> What are you going to do with all that lovely money when you've got it? Well, darling, I'm going to fulfil a lifetime ambition. See, I come from a working-class background. I was born on Kiradi Street in Stepney. And I've never forgotten the people who live in that street. Particularly the old girl what brought me up and made me what I am today. I'm going to go down there, I'm going to buy up that lease of her ass, and then I'm going to evict the old slaggy. <laughs> That's an absolutely lovely thought. Who asked you, Granny? <laughs> On that note, I'm afraid I must close because all good things come to an end. But so does this show. <laughs> good night to you. See you the next week. Well, there we are. That was the Seamus Android show. And would anybody who witnessed the accident... Um... <laughs> oh, yes, there... Uh... There was another thing. A few weeks ago, I left you with a what-is-it question. The what-is-it being a creature with an orange body, eight tentacles, and hairy legs that made a noise resembling... Remember? Well, I did mention that the reason I wanted to know was that it had just crawled up my trouser leg, at which you dutifully laughed. Well, so far, I've heard nothing from any of you. So, for heaven's sake, hurry up, because it's crawled up as far as... And there the pathetic message ends, as does Round the Hall. Appearing in it were Kenneth Horne with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and Edwin Braden and the Hornblowers. The script was written by Barry Talk and Marty Feldman, and the show is produced by John Simmons.